welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the materials cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series. Welcome to IOM3 Investigates. I'm Catherine Williams, Head of Content at IOM3, and today I am joined by Dr. Susan Bernal-Lopez, Professor in Structural Materials at the University of Leeds. Um, she is director of the Materials and Structures Group. Her research activity has included assessment and improvement of durability and sustainability of novel cements and concretes, as well as waste management and valorization. Susan, thank you very much for joining me today. No, thank you very much for inviting me. You've been involved in the foundation industries throughout your career. It's a catch-all term for glass, ceramics, metals, paper, cement, and bulk chemical manufacture. Um, these industries are worth around 52 billion per annum to the UK's economy, which could do with a bit of help at the moment. But they account for 10% of the UK's CO2 emissions. So can you tell me a little bit about your work with the TFI network and what this means for the foundation industries? Well, I particularly work in the cement sector, as you mentioned before. Uh, I was inspired to start working uh, for this particular sector uh, because of the increasing needs of, of housing and also because I was very interested in uh, ecology back in the day when I was studying and I always thought, why we don't use like valuable resources as byproducts that develop from different industries uh, to make something new out of them. So I saw the cement sector like the big opportunity for me to work on it. And also, well, concrete is the most widely used material in the planet. <laughs> so it's plenty of a scope of, of research there for me. And it was inspirational. So I became uh, involved in the Transforming Foundation Industries Network Plus. Uh, to be honest, by chance, uh, the director of the Network Plus, uh, Professor Ian Rini from the University of Sheffield, uh, he kindly invited me to join this team uh, when this idea came up. Uh, and I will say uh, it was like a click between the different members of the management committee of the Network Plus uh, and, and myself, I really felt uh, inspired as an early career person myself to work with these very senior academics so knowledgeable in so many different areas of foundation industries with such drive and passion to, to put their knowledge at the service of foundation industries to make a real change. So. Yeah, that's that's how I became part of this. 
And I will say the rest is history. We have been working in this topic over two years now. Okay, that's fantastic. And it's so nice to hear such a, a really positive description of the experience and knowledge sharing. So in terms of the network itself, where it's working to share information and improve processes across industries, so taking knowledge from, say, glass making and applying it to steel making or vice versa, are there any areas where you were really surprised that the knowledge transfer worked and that about the parallels you saw? Uh, I would say from the very beginning of working with foundation industries, I've been surprised all along because, of course, as a cement expert, I didn't know what was going on in the metal sector or paper sector, chemical sector. My colleagues did. But when we sat together and the first exercise we did was, okay, all these industries are working extremely hard to identify strategies to decarbonize. Let's have a look to all these strategies, this roadmap, all the compromises they're making. And then it's really enlightening to see how individually a lot of the approaches were the same. So there were a lot of communalities across these different industries that somehow could be, as you mentioned, transferred to one another because some of these approaches were applied, for example, in the steel sector for more than 10 years or in the ceramic sector for the past 20 years. And it was just really like almost beautiful to see that a lot of the information was already there. We just needed like to connect the dots. So mm-hmm. the information was available to all of these industries. And it was framed in a way where they could actually see, oh yes, there is an opportunity to learn and to grow looking at the examples of this particular sector. I will say the concept of foundation industries is is relatively new in the UK. So one of the missions of our network is creating this sense of community and making this information available to others so they can identify their communalities, their challenges, their differences, and then identify how can we tackle them together. Excellent. Thank you. So um, you have a lot of organisations involved in the network. Are there any you would particularly like to highlight um, in terms of the work they've done or sort of the benefits that they have particularly brought to the network? Well, we're very privileged that uh, we have at the moment more than 500 members in, in the Network Plus. So it will be really difficult and I think a little bit unfair to pick one as a case study because when you have such diverse and rich community comes from industry, city councils, government and also academia, each of them plays such a significant role in helping us to shape the activities that we do, the funding calls that we open and also the direction 
of the information that we want to amplify even to our industrial partners or our funders. So it's it's a very difficult question to, to answer, but I will say overall, for me, what is very special is to see how since the network was started, the people has become more and more interested to be part of this community, to engage with us in many different shapes and forms, and also to support us to fulfill our mission, which is in the end create this community of foundation industries, experts, of people with an interest in supporting foundation industries. So we can work together. Excellent. And um, so in terms of moving towards net zero, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but you know, do, do you believe that we are making enough progress rapidly enough for us to hit 2050 targets and for you know large industries to actually transition um, towards net zero? I think we're not making the changes that need to be done at the speed that we need them to mm -hmm. achieve this ambitious uh, target of net zero by 2030 or 2050. Okay. One of, it's not a, the barriers for this are not just technical innovation. So a lot of people think, oh, we don't have the technologies uh, to achieve this uh, ambitious target or so on. But it's not just that. We have discovered in conversations with industrial partners and the sectors per se that there are many barriers uh, mm -hmm. that don't enable them at the moment to adopt the different strategies that need to be adopted for these rapid, rapid transformations that we're looking for. So for example, as the Network Plus, we, we are organizing a specific event where we're going to investigate in more detail one of those barriers. So the intangibles are the most difficult barriers that we have. For example, the lack of skills that mm -hmm. we are encountering at the moment uh, to adopt all these innovative technologies or for example, uh, standardization. Do we need to have this standard that will enable us to use this new product, but also demand mm -hmm. because in the end, the customers of the foundation industry's products are the ones that will drive uh, the market. So how can we make uh, these customers to be excited about using like low carbon products? Mm -hmm. Even if they are a little bit more expensive or they just look different. So all these intangibles are actually the ones that are somehow preventing that we can implement these already existing strategies to achieve decarbonization at the speed that we actually need. Okay. Um, you mentioned skills there as being sort of one of the big things that will help make a difference. Um, the network has been very supportive of younger 
researchers and bringing them in, helping with funding and uh, helping them build the skills that they need. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So it is not a secret that perhaps working across topics related to foundation industries might not be as appealing for early career researchers as many other topics. So we really want to open the door here to attract talent, showing them, look, these industries are sophisticated industries, highly mm. advanced, that provide a key service to society. Yes. So if you have certain skills that you can transfer to the foundation industries, here we have the funding and here we have the connections with industry that will enable you to develop this idea. So one of the approaches of the Network Plus it was developing a specific funding call that was targeted just for early career researchers. So we did a couple of workshops explaining this rationale behind the idea of this call, but also providing some guidance about how to prepare their uh, applications. And after, of course, we announced the, the people that was funded, we also provided coaching to the people that was not funding providing a one-to-one -one feedback. So hopefully in future opportunities, they, they can use this feedback uh, to build their career in the future. Okay, um, thank you. That, that's good at supporting people at the start of their career. Um, so you're talking about making things more exciting and uh, one of the aims of the network has been to um, explore Industry 4.0 and artificial intelligence. Um, I know the steel industry has made a lot of progress here, um, and that involved a lot of training of the technology itself by experienced practitioners. Um, is that something you've encountered elsewhere where you actually need experienced people to train the technology to assist the younger people? Well, that's a very interesting question. I think uh, we live in an era where digitalization uh, is, is a word that we hear everywhere. But in the case of the foundation industries, uh, we experienced something quite interesting. When we were discussing this particular topic, we needed to investigate what, what this uh, industrialization actually means what this green industrial revolution will actually mean for foundation industries. Because uh, each, I will say, each industry has a different perception of how this transition to a modern era is actually going to be or what, they, what that means for them. So in terms of the foundation industry network plus, we have supported uh, different projects, uh, for example, developing digital tools for waste segregation, data-driven optimization of processes, uh, sensors is a big part uh, of the things that we are supporting, 
and also, for example, development of digital twins uh, for foundation industry. But yes, I what was really interesting, as I mentioned before, is we needed to investigate what that actually meant for each company. So I don't know, we always think about internet of things, <laughs> robotics and, and things like that. But yeah, we really needed to investigate how these industries perceive these uh, like green industrial revolution okay thank you so are you doing much in terms of public engagement to transform perception of the industries themselves how are you reaching out to everyone else well when the network first started, it was a very interesting time because it was during the lockdowns uh, of 2021. So we didn't have much opportunity during the first year of the life of the network clubs to go there, to engage with the public, mm-hmm. uh, to, to do this knowledge transfer that we were looking for. We did a lot of events, online events, when we uh, first started industry and academia, because we really needed to understand what this community was mm-hmm. and what they wanted to see from us. Over the past few months, we have been far more active uh, developing public engagement uh, activities. But again, more center, I would say, for industry and academia. But in the final year of the life of the Network Plus, we're really looking forward to translate or to show to the public some of the outputs of the projects that we have been funding over the past year, because some of those are just finishing now. (laughs) Uh, So we can show to the public what can be done and what has been done for supporting this industry. Also, I will say the spaces are now being open for us to do so because now we are back into some sort of normality. A lot of these expos, uh, knowledge exchange activities are, are back online and in person. So yes, yeah, certainly we're going to explore engaging more with the public uh, with the different outputs of the activities we develop in the network plus. Okay, thank you. Um, so you've done a lot of EDI work within the network and within this outreach you've done. Um, how have you been seeing that move through into real world experience and new and different people who might not have considered the foundation industries before seeing them as a a real career path for them? In my personal view, one of the most important things that we have done in terms of EDI is first opening the door to have some of these uncomfortable conversations that we need to have to acknowledge that there is an, an issue uh, in this in this particular area. And also try to be open to listen. 
and to others uh, their own personal experience and perceptions, but also to understand why we are where we are and what are the barriers that currently exist that perhaps are not enabling us to to move towards more uh, diverse workforce or so on and so forth. Another thing that uh, we have been doing, uh, which I think is very important, is like amplifying the voices of those people that often don't have the opportunity to speak out loud about their experiences. Uh, I will say myself, uh, as a woman, as a mother, as an early career researcher myself as well, uh, within the Network Plus, uh, I I found a community where my opinions are, are listened, mm-hmm. where I've been given the opportunity to share my personal experiences and somehow also amplify the message that representation really matters. So when you see someone that looks like you, (laughs) that has similar experience as the ones you have had, somehow you can relate to that person or their experiences. It really helps you sometimes to overcome some of your own personal doubts and say, oh, this can be done. So in all the events that we do uh, in the Network Plus, we try to be very careful about who do we invite to give the different mm-hmm. talks, the language that is being used in, in the different communications that we share, in the documents we create, mm-hmm. and trying to be as inclusive as we possibly can. Also, we collaborate actively with the Transpire Hub, which is the sister mm-hmm. organization of the Network Plus. Uh, who they are very, very active in EDI aspects. Yes, we've recently done a podcast with Mark Jolly at Transfire, um, and the work that they're doing is something we support within the Institute. We believe that EDI is hugely important and that there needs to be much more visibility and representation of the differences within our industries. So yes, people are the heart of the foundation industries but from the projects you've been involved with have you seen any technologies that are really making a difference in the journey towards decarbonization and and sort of what what are you spotting there that's making difference Uh, the objective of the network plus is support and fund low trl uh, projects or blue sky ideas that can be very disruptive if successful. So our role at the moment is more providing like that seed corn type funding for these very disruptive ideas that can lead to, to real transformation. So I say we have been really privileged to be able to support some really <laughs> blue sky research so far that has a lot of promise uh, for foundation industries. So just to give you an example, we have sponsored some of the 
innovative manufacturing processes that could enable reduction of energy consumption to an 80 percent uh, for some of the foundation industries so we know that energy is absolutely key for these industries so a lot of the uh, noble manufacturing processes that have been developing projects uh, we fund target that can we produce the same product but by with a fraction of the energy or can we develop this product but instead of using natural and virgin materials, can we use waste? Can we use byproduct? So I will say uh, in one way or another, all the projects that we have funded so far <laughs> have great promise. And uh, because that that's exactly what we're looking for. And perhaps the best examples I can give is that a lot of these we call it small projects or mini projects that we have funded have been like the proof of concepts that have led to bigger projects that are now developing core collaboration between academia and industry. So our network plus is relatively young. It's just a couple of years old. So, but we, we can really see with these new projects that are now being funded, that mm -hmm. being developed, we can really see that the impact of the activities we're doing will be seen in maybe two or three years' time. But as I say, the entire objective of the network is supporting these blue sky research areas or initiatives that in few years' time can make a true difference to these sectors. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what's what's going to come out of this. Um, and we will be covering some of the outputs in Materials World in due course. So you mentioned this is the last year of the project as it stands. What do you see coming next? Do you know anything about what happens next for the network plus or are you currently in limbo and wondering what's on the horizon all the members of the management committee of the network plus we are very passionate about this and we have invested so much time and effort to learn to educate ourselves and also to connect with the industries that of course we have this drive to carry on for as long as we possibly can. So we really hope uh, that this project can continue for many years to come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're taking some measures to enable that, of course. But at the moment, we just center on delivering what we promise with this first stage of this very ambitious project. Mm -hmm. uh, and this final year, we hope to start seeing, of course, uh, the outputs of many of the projects that we have funded. As I mentioned before, have the opportunity to engage more with our public uh, and engage more with uh, perhaps uh, industries or academics or other organizations we haven't had the opportunity to reach yet but also continue supporting our early career community and 
somehow support the development of more multidisciplinary research. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we are very clear about is that multidisciplinary research, looking at the social sciences aspects of innovation, uh, business models, governance, skills, so on and so forth, is absolutely vital to enable this transformation to happen. Mm-hmm. So this this final year, uh, I think that will be the main focus of the Network Plus, just trying to make as feasible as possible all these brilliant ideas that have been developing so far, but also engaging with the community, making them aware that we need to look and start thinking a little bit outside the box if we mm-hmm. really want this transformation to happen at the speed that is needed uh, for the net zero targets we have. And in terms of your own research, have you been able to you know, continue driving your group forward and finding that, you know, working mom all the rest of it, needing, you know, we all need time for ourselves sometimes. How have you been managing to to hold all this together and keep it going? I really don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow uh, I have managed. Uh, I will say when you really enjoy what you're doing, you, you find the energy and the time to do it at the best of your ability. So... I have learned to be more forgiving uh, with my style about, uh, I know perfection is completely outside of what I'm capable to achieve at the moment because I have too many things in the air. But the the main uh, reason why I can do what I'm doing is I have a fantastic team uh, that works with me in the many different projects that I draw. So they are the ones that are supporting me. So I have the time and the space to to dedicate to this initiative as the Network Plus. Mm-hmm. Also, I am very privileged that I have a, a very good support system at home. <laughs> so okay. so they they see that I have at moments when I truly need to invest my time and efforts at work. I'm also given the time and the space to do so. Uh, I I also try to keep uh, a good work-life balance as much mm-hmm. as I possibly can. And I will say, since I became involved in the Network Plus, uh, one of the things that I have truly have to learn is saying no <laughs> to many <laughs> things because I, I have to choose very wisely or as wisely as I possibly can what what is within my means so rather than disappointing others or disappointing myself I just say no to to many things so at the moment I'm truly invested in the activities uh, and the success of, of the network plus unfortunately a lot of the research I do and projects I'm part of or initiatives I'm part of really kind of interconnect and actually bring extra value to the work I'm doing with the Network Plus. I think an important lesson for all of us sometimes knowing when to say no, 
when to take a step back and um, thank you so much for making time for us today and not saying no when we asked you to join us <laughs> no it's 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 my pleasure thank you so much for the invitation <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for telling us about the work that's been going on. Um, as I say, there will be some articles coming out in Materials World next year to talk about outputs of the work of the Network Plus. And obviously, keep us updated with, with what's going on. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. It was really, really enjoyable. information about us visit iom3.org or to keep up to date with our latest news follow us on social media using at iom3 on twitter and at the institute of materials minerals and mining on linkedin if you're interested in our upcoming podcasts or want to get involved please subscribe to hear more from us through apple google podcasts or spotify 